Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, I sent this out to our Football Insider subscribers. We are officially, as we're recording this today, on Thursday, two weeks away from watching the Cleveland Browns play a football game. That's where we are, the Hall of Fame game on August 3rd, uh, heading to the Greenbrier here over the next week. Mary Kay, you will be out there on Friday. Uh, the Browns will practice for the first time on Saturday. So I thought, what better time to just sort of throw things open to our Football Insider subscribers. Let them ask us whatever they want. We got some football questions. We got some non-football questions. Uh, so I'm going to kind of just go through these. We can spend as much or as little time on, on all of these as we want. So let's start with a football question and one that Mary Kay, I think, will probably be a big point of discussion all season especially if the offense struggles. It comes from Steve in Medina. What are the odds Stefanski gives up play calling this year or down the road? It wouldn't be the start of training camp or Brown's practice if we weren't asking this question. That's right. We get it all the time. And I will say the same thing over and over and over again. Let the guy call plays for an elite quarterback, will you? I mean, let's see what he can do uh, with a full season of Deshaun Watson. Who wouldn't want to call plays for Deshaun and Nick Chubb and this offensive line and Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, Jordan Akins? I mean, who wouldn't want that? There's so many things that they can do. I wrote a whole one of our 23 for 23 on this, uh, 23 Browns questions for 23. Uh, is he the right man for the job? And you know what? We'll find out. We don't know yet. Um, but if you look at his track record, uh, he has gotten the best career seasons out of guys like Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett. So, you know, it stands to reason that perhaps he will do the same thing with Deshaun Watson. He's studied hard for this moment, and I think he's ready for it. Yeah, to me, the only question is, you know, he, we know he can get the best out of average or below average quarterbacks. It's now can he maximize a guy who's probably the most, not probably, is the most talented quarterback he's ever coached? Can mm -hmm. he maximize that level of talent? And can he make that fit into his offense and what he wants to do and make the adjustments he needs to make? But I'm kind of with Mary Kay on this, Ashley. Like, he deserves a chance at least. Yeah, that's how I am. Like, I think it doesn't make sense to just kind of make that change right now because 
those last six games that he had with Deshaun Watson, it's like that almost has to be like a mulligan in terms of the play calling and the offense because they couldn't change too much when Deshaun came back from that 11-game suspension. They were already too far along um, into the season. So it was kind of like, you know, they weren't able to go all out towards either Jacoby Brissett or Deshaun Watson. Like we've talked about, they went out and got a quarterback who obviously Jacoby Brissett is not Deshaun Watson, but he can do some comparable things to where the offense doesn't have to change super, super radically. But I think now that you've especially overhauled the pass catchers too, and given Deshaun different weapons to kind of work with, um, you have to see what this is going to look like for a full year. And I mean, everything from Deshaun Watson so far has been that he loves working with Kevin Stefanski. And, and I mean, if you're quarterback and you're head coach, you know, he likes working with that head coach. Why would you change that and suddenly be like, oh, well, there wasn't enough production last year when it was kind of just this weird year for this offense overall in 2022. All right. So like I said, we're going to move through some of these pretty quickly. Let's get to another one. And I'm just going to mix these up. So some of them will be football. Some of them won't. I'm just kind of going in, in mostly the order we got them. No name on this. It comes from the 330 area code. If you could interview one person, dead or alive, who would it be? So this doesn't even have to be in sports. This is just anybody, right? I don't think so, yeah. One person, dead or alive, who would it be? I have to think about this for a minute. So I kind of have... I have Mad Men brain right now because we've been re-watching Mad Men, although... First world problem here. We were watching it on that freebie or whatever that comes with Amazon Prime. And about midway through season four, it got taken off of freebie. So we have to we had to stop. Like, I don't know what we're, I don't know what we're going to do. I might have to go to the library and rent like DVDs. We're, we're that far along. Um, <laughs> wow. But I do kind of have Mad Men brain and we just got through like the JFK assassination. And I know that uh, at some point, there's the MLK assassination. So I, I kind of was thinking one of those two would be interesting for for various reasons to, to interview. Yeah. So those it's just two, Mad Men brain. No, those, those two would be um, those two would be obviously fascinating, fascinating to interview. Uh, and those would be high on my list. But I feel like I need to think about this for a minute. Ashley, do you have someone in mind? No, I'm still struggling. I feel like there are wrong <laughs> answers to this. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's a test I need to pass. Hmm. <laughs> very, very interesting. I don't know. I, I, I don't know yet. Wow, this I, was a stumper. I know. I'm stressed out by it. I'm yeah, like, maybe we'll come back to okay. it and maybe something will come to me. Well, then let's get let's get back to a football question. DT from Mars, Pennsylvania do you think Andrew Barry has been stronger at drafting players or stronger at signing free agents? Well, that's a good answer. I mean, that's a good question. Um, I, I think some of his best acquisitions have come through trades and other ways besides the draft. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Uh, right now you've got Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore who have all come via trade. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that. And Zadarius Smith too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with the, his, his trade game is really, really strong. And I, I actually think it might be stronger than his draft game. 
Yeah, I think so too. I, I think he's done a great job using trades to acquire players more than anything. And some of the signing stuff, it's, mm-hmm. you know, so like he signed Juan Thornhill to replace John Johnson, who he signed, right? And Zedarius is here to replace Jadavion Clowney, who he signed twice. And Dalvin Tomlinson is here to, you know, he had to sign him. We'll see kind of how that works out. I, I think trades is where Andrew has really excelled. Um, yeah. Which isn't surprising because I've always felt like a lot of younger GMs in the NFL are going to mimic NBA GMs a little bit more. And I, I think Andrew kind of fits into that mold a little bit where he's going to use the trade market. He's going to do, it's never going to be at, you know, it's apples and oranges. The systems are so different, but um, you know, there are definitely using trades to make yourself better and, and kind of take advantage of other teams, bad situations. I, I think Andrew's excelled at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the trades were also my kind of first instinct, just because when you think about his highest draft picks, like a lot of those guys still have so many questions about them. And like, we know they haven't really excelled at drafting third rounders, right? We've written about that and talked about that a lot, where those guys haven't necessarily, I think, progressed in the ways that they had hoped or as quickly as they had hoped. But, you know, I think when you think long term, like even though I think the Browns are like much higher on Jed Wills than like Twitter is on Jed a lot of the time. Um, There's still some long-term questions about Jed. There's long-term questions about Greg Newsom. There's questions about JOK. Like, I think for me, I've said this before, like, I think Andrew's best draft pick is Donovan Peoples-Jones, who you essentially, like, took a flyer on in the sixth round and you made him into an NFL contributor. But I think if you're going to compare, like, how he acquires players, that can't be your best draft pick for drafting to then be your best strength in terms of building a team. Okay, moving on again. We're going uh, off of football for this one. And this is another one. It's going to be tough to think. And I'm a little worried about what this is going to say about each of us. This is another one where if you get this one wrong, it could come back to haunt you. Uh, It comes from Skip in Akron. With whom did each of you secretly identify with in succession? Oh, that's kind of easy for me. Yeah, I, I have to say Shiv. Yeah, okay. I, I I would have to I have to say Shiv, uh, you know, just, um, you know, strong, smart, just you know, driven, competitive. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm calling myself smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like Whatever. I'm Shiv too. And it's like even, yeah, okay. even even in Shiv's bad moments, where you know sometimes it's like, here's the thing about Shiv: like, does she have some big moments where she loses? Yes, but she always finds a way to like. And I think like part of me with Shiv, I'm, I'm going to highlight all my negative traits. Like, I almost think about when Shiv gets so over eager in season two to like. You know, when Logan tells her she's the one and they're at that dinner with the Pierces and she's like, ah, just tell them it's going to be me. Like, that's totally something I would do if I felt like something slipping out of my grasp. But even when she fails, she never completely just lays down. She's always going to get back up on that horse. And I think her and Kendall are a lot alike in that way. But yeah, I definitely identify with Shiv for better and for worse. <laughs> Same. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's probably just Greg. Greg, you're so Greg. You are Dan, so Greg. Perfect. I actually have a character list up, and I'm like, is there somebody I'm forgetting? And honestly, it's probably just it's just you Greg. You could be Carl. Sometimes you come out of the woodwork for these one liners. Like I did Carl. look at Carl too. I was I was I was looking at Carl. Um, 
Yeah. Mm, no, I think you're nailing it with Greg. I think you're nailing it. It's same similar um, demeanor. Yeah, you're nailing it with Greg. Do you think? How, what do you think of our choice, Dan? Would you have assigned someone else to us? Well, first of all, I declined to answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's probably the right answer. What are you saying, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, who who else would you, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Nobody's a Tom. No, nobody's, no, a, nobody's, Tom. nobody's a Tom. Nobody's a Roman. Yeah, see, Roman is just too complicated. Yeah, there's, too, yeah. there's just too, too much. much there's too much other stuff going on with Roman. It's it's too complicated. Yeah. Although I'll say this, if I was ever super rich, I could see myself being Ewan. Oh yeah, that's true. not like oh, completely Ewan, but just like the I'm going to go live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know what, Dan? I could also see you being Mondale, the dog, because he has to put up with so much, and he never complains. Like he's Poor just Mondale. he's just going with the flow. He's not always on the show, but he's not bothered by it. You could be like Mondale. You get that nice exercise pen and that pen house. <laughs> Who knows what happened to him though? Okay. This is a good one that I think has a really obvious answer, but they also expanded it, which makes it um, which makes it interesting. So no name on this one. Uh, for each of you, what is was your best sport? And then there's a second part to this question. If you include Doug, Ellis, and Scott, who is the best athlete on the O&B Talk team? So I think the answer to the second part is either Ellis or Ashley. Because but I was thinking maybe you, college. maybe yeah. you like run, you run distances. Yeah, so but that's now, not like, I don't know. It's not running. Doug. Let's just say it's not oh, Doug. No, no, it's not Doug. We'll eliminate Doug. And I don't know, did Scott play soccer? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I know his daughter's a really good soccer player. Yeah, he, he may have. I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, it, right, Mary-Kate, it's got to be Ashley or Ellis though, right? Yeah, I mean, because, you, you guys played a college sport, so I would say would, you guys would have to be tied for for that. Can we, or we could give it to Ellis and call it the Ellis Williams Memorial Athletic <laughs> Achievement. Which, by the way, I would like to point out that Doug never did pay up on his Ellis bet. He did. Ellis oh. has now left, and Doug is now Doug is now leaving us. And uh, yeah. Oh, Carson gonna, White's bet I don't think was ever actually paid up on. Yeah, we're going to have to bring them on here, and we're going to have to <laughs> yeah. invite them on and, and settle that score for sure. We might as um, well do it Colts week this year. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so for each of you, what is was your best sport? I don't know if it was my best sport. It was just like what I liked doing. I, I mean, I always liked just playing basketball. That was what I did. That was what we did in our free time when I was in like junior high and high school, but it was definitely not my best sport. Not a chance. Ashley, basketball was yours, right? Yeah, mine's easy. Basketball. Yep. There horrible you go. Softball player. Horrible. <laughs> um, I did really like volleyball. I wish I had gotten to play volleyball um, longer, but I uh, I didn't because basketball took up so much of my time, and I tore my ACL my junior year. So I, I really loved both of those, but basketball was definitely the one I knew like early on in high school, if I was going to play a sport in college, that it would be that one probably. I don't know. I mean, I guess softball, 
I guess softball would probably be it. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go with softball. Here's here's what I will tell you about about basketball. If you put me on your five, okay, and we just go to like the park or playground, whatever, and and you know, there's going to be one game, only one game. So we might play like five games. It's only going to be one game though, where I just make like five three pointers. Yeah, I guess two. I guess two pointers. Or I just make like five or six of them in a row. And then I'm not going to make another shot the rest of the day. But if you pick me to be on your team, that's, I, I can, can promise expect. you that. Yeah. There you go. So that's, Love that's it. my, that's my basketball profile. Um, okay. Another football question. This comes from Tim and Huron. Are the Browns looking to add another possible starting linebacker? Uh, he's, he believes that is still a question. You know, it is still a question. I, I'm not going to say starting linebacker. They could add some of these back-end guys, but as of right now, I don't see any plans to add a starting linebacker. I think they are pretty happy with the guys they have coming back off of injuries. I think they have a lot to choose from. I think they have an eclectic group. I think they feel pretty good about what they have as long as these guys are healthy. In the event that they start, they head into camp and these guys are not healthy and they realize that uh, they need to add someone, You know, then perhaps they can. But as of right now, I'm just not feeling it. And Ashley, you wrote a 23 questions post about the linebackers um, I did. And, and guys coming back healthy. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because like, well, number one, like, I don't think they need a starter to add a starter either. Like, just because we've talked about, there's going to be, a, I think, a lot of times where we're only seeing them use two linebackers, even that they're going to throw an extra safety out there or throw an extra down lineman out there. Like all of these options that Jim Schwartz has to work with. Um, and it's like we saw JOK out on the field during OTAs and minicamp. So I think that's promising because he's one of your starter level guys. Um, Anthony Walker Jr., we didn't see out on the field, but he has like been adamant. And then when I talked to him in May um, at the girls flag high school championship that the Browns held, he was said that he's on track to be at 100 percent by the time training camp rolls around. So I think that's promising. Um, Taki Taki to me is like the big question mark just because, you know, he tore his ACL in December. I know in January he said he was about probably like a 10 month recovery. So eyeing like a September or October return. But I mean, I do think there's always a question when you have so many season ending injuries of how quickly guys are going to bounce back. But I just think the guys they have work really well in a Jim Schwartz system as long as they are healthy. And when you consider, like, there's going to be times where there's maybe one less linebacker on the field than you're used to, um, I don't know that you need to go big and spend a ton of money there when your linebackers are going to be acting like your cleanup crew, basically, in this defense. Okay, we're going to take a break. We've got a lot more questions to get to, and there's a really good kind of interesting football question we're going to lead off with when we come back on the other side. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, again, a no-name one here from the 615 area code. What are the Browns' goals for this upcoming season? And then this is the interesting part. What are their top three priorities? And the rule here is none of these should be like a win-loss record. So the Browns, let's start with the Browns' goal. Is just making the playoffs too low a bar, Mary Kay? Yeah, the goal has to be the Super Bowl. Every time you head into a season, your goal has to be to win the Super Bowl. If that's not your goal, then why are you doing any of this? So there it is. That like is it. the goal. Yeah. Go big or go home. Ashley, Super Bowl or bust? 
Yeah, I think that's like kind of the stakes when you bring Deshaun Watson in and then why he went through everything he went through, especially last year. I mean, you basically lost a season because he got suspended for 11 games. And as we've talked about, it kind of hindered them in multiple different ways. So I think it has to be Super Bowl or bust at this point. And, you know, they we've talked about this. I think they have to win a Super Bowl at some point during Deshaun Watson's tenure here. Otherwise, it's like, why do you make a move like that? Okay, and then top three priorities. There are three of us, so let's just draft them. Mary mm. Kay, number one priority. Number one priority. Um, I mean, I guess this is this has to be obviously different than, um, you know, winning a Super Bowl. So I'm going to say number one priority is maximizing the talent and ability of Deshaun Watson. If you can do that, then I think you can reach your other goals. Ashley, you're up next. This is tough. I think I'm going to go to the other side of the ball and say that overall the defense just has to look better. (laughs) Like it has to look better than you can't have the same growing pains that you had last year for kind of no reason really. Um, And the front of your defense, I think has to produce. Yeah. So my pick was going to be kind of get your defense in order. I'm going to go, you know, just this is kind of the year where you figure out if you have the right guy, not you know, as, as your head coach, I think a lot of people feel like Kevin could be that guy, but this is sort of the year where you're, where you're going to find out. Um, you're you're going to come away from this season with a pretty good idea of what Kevin can be long-term as a coach. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's a chance that, I mean, the variance is wide on this. We could get to the end of the year and think, yep, what we saw in 2020 was legit when he won coach of the year. And this is the guy they, you know, it was two long years away from that, but now this is definitely the guy, or it could be, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about this. And I don't know if that necessarily means a change for sure, but it's certainly, you could go into next off season with a lot of questions there. Okay. This is another football question uh, from the four, four Oh area code with Perry on Winfrey gone. Are the Browns good on the defensive front? Well, you know, I just don't think Perry on Winfrey is shifting the balance of power on the on the front of the defense. I mean, he was someone that was going to come in here and try to show that he could be professional, try to show that he could live up to his fourth round draft status, that he could make a contribution in the rotation, compete with guys like Jordan Elliott, Siaki Ika, Tristan Hill, Mohurst. Uh, this was not someone who was slated to start by any stretch of the imagination. It was prove it time for him, and he was already on thin ice. So I think the Browns are going to be fine without him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, honestly, I I might have had Perry on Winfrey cut on the last fifty three man roster I did out of out of minute. I'm just cutting guys left and right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I I wasn't sure if Perry on was even going to make the team, Ashley. So I don't think this this shifts a lot as far as the Browns planning is concerned. Yeah, that's how I was. And, you know, again, it's like, especially a guy like Mohurst, Tristan Hill, like they went out and got these guys, I think because they're hopeful that they can fit with what Jim Schwartz wants to do. Um, and also I think we have to remember, and we've talked about this a lot too, Zadarius Smith is going to be lining up on the inside probably. Like, I mean, we've already seen that. So that's another option you have there. They're going to be able to move Miles Garrett around maybe more too. Um, I think you're not going to necessarily have to have your two traditional defensive tackles in there uh, at the middle in this defense. So that's another part, too. But he's like me. I'm like, I didn't think it, it's going to make or break anything there because of the other guys they brought in this offseason. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this one actually goes uh, back to a couple questions ago when I mentioned Kevin. Um, it comes from Bob Sheft in Houston, Texas. Is this a make or break year for Kevin Stefanski? He has all the horses he needs, barring multiple severe injuries to keep players. So is his job on the line this year? I've got to say, Mary, I don't think it's as black and white as like Kevin has to absolutely do this or he's gone. Um, now, I do think if Look, if they go seven and ten again, and the offense looks bad, then then you start to talk about it. But I don't know if there's like a black and white "do this or you're gone" scenario with Kevin. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think you have to see how the season plays out. Um, I I think there you know there could be a world in which you know if they don't like what they see offensively, or if they think they needed a different play caller or something, you know then you know then maybe they make some kind of a change there down the road or whatever, but no, I, I don't think they're heading into it saying it's playoffs or bust. And I asked Jimmy Haslam that at, at the NFL owners meetings. And of course he stopped short and would never say anything like that in a setting like that. But, um, but I, I just don't think you can, you know, make a bold proclamation like that heading into the season. You have to see how it goes. You have to see who's healthy. You have to see, you know, if they didn't make the playoffs, why didn't it happen? Uh, was, you know, did some unit underperform? Were there too many injuries? Uh, did they, you know, the division was so tight and they lost in overtime on a tiebreaker in week 18. I mean, I just, there's so many things that go into it. You know, I, I, I just don't think the Browns are trying to speak into existence a failed season. They're not thinking along those lines. I think they're thinking about, Hey, we put everything in place and let's roll. Let's see what we have. Yeah. I'll, n- I'll never forget Ashley, the, the Mike Pett and Ray Farmer year when, Jimmy Haslam stood in front of us and said, I'm not, I'm, we're not going to blow this up at the end of the season. And then within hours of the last game being over, Sashi Brown was the new vice president and they were doing a coaching search. Um, so declarations in July and, and August get you in trouble later in the, later in the year. Right. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, I think in agreement with you guys that I, I don't think there is like, one specific goal that he absolutely has to hit. Otherwise he's gone. Like it's just too hard because there's so much out of your control um, in terms of league standings and the playoffs and things like that. But yeah, Dan, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head for me with like, yeah, you don't want like a declaration from, from ownership because so much could change, but like this idea of if they go seven and 10 again, and there's a lot of strife and, you know, Deshaun Watson's not so happy with Kevin Stefanski anymore and the offense doesn't look good then I think it might be time for those conversations to start happening. But I just think it's too hard. There's too many factors that are outside of your control to put um, a kind of requirement on that in July or August at the very beginning of the year. Uh, okay, so this one this one is actually specifically for me from Andre in Vancouver, uh, who says he will also be at the Seahawks game this year. Uh, he says he thinks he remembers me being a distance runner. We mentioned that earlier. Favorite marathon or race I've done in any bucket, bucket list races I still want to do. I've only done Cleveland full marathon. I've done the Akron half. Um, I might be retired from marathons. Why? I'm not sure. Well, you didn't I, tell your story about you getting frostbite. <laughs> that's true. I just don't know if I... Man, the preparation for one is just a grind. It's tough. But yeah, so I, I did get frostbite in 2005. I don't remember the exact years that I there were. I did like three in a row in Cleveland, and I got it was these things happen in May. All right, they happen in May, and I show up and I feel like I'm 
you know, I'm dressed for it. It was a little cold in the morning, but it was supposed to get warmer throughout the morning. So I ended up being underdressed because during a race, again, in May, in Cleveland, Ohio, there was sleet, there was snow, there was lightning and thunder. Hmm. And by the time I got to the finish line, I pretty certain I had frostbite. And it, and hmm. it was a situation where like, I kind of thought I was fine and then I got home and I was kind of a mess for like the rest of the day. And then I went on Google and I searched frostbite and I had all of the symptoms of frostbite. I had since recovered, like I had gotten over it, obviously, luckily. But um, yeah, I looked back on it. I'm like, I probably should have taken that a little bit more seriously than I did. Mm, Dangerous. Yeah. Very dangerous. I was going to say, I mean, like everybody wants to run Boston, but you've got to qualify for that one. I don't think I'd ever be able to do that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like if I ever do it again, I Akron would be fun. I know that's not thinking big. That's not like a dream city, but it's it's Akron. You know, that's kind of close to where I'm from. And I don't know. Does Seattle do one? The guy mentioned it'll be in Seattle. That would be a great. Now, one of my uh, friend's son just did a 30-mile race in Cleveland. Um and it, I think it was sort of a... I think my sister did that. Oh, did she? Okay. Like, a tra- like a trail race? Trail race. It was just yeah. like two weeks ago or... Yeah. 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 So he finished. One of our... Uh, one of my son's friends that did it came in 16th out of 200 and the other one came in 60th. And then I did almost enter just on a whim because I went for a run in Kansas City. I think it, I think this was the year Baker got hurt in 2019. And I went for a run in Kansas City and downtown they were having like a 5K and you could like sign up the day of and it started at like eight o'clock in the morning. Like I should just sign up for this and run it. I didn't do it. I kind of have regrets. Well, you know, when I'm in Philadelphia in August for the joint practices against the Eagles, um, hopefully the same naked bike parade won't be going through town uh, that I was very surprised. I was walking just through the streets of Philadelphia to check out Philadelphia. And along came a very, very long and involved, never ending naked bike parade. So it was, uh, it was very interesting. We'll see if they're going to do that again this summer. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I didn't know it was happening. I, I didn't know. Hey, there's going to be a naked bike parade today. <laughs> All of a sudden, there it was. I'm like, okay, this is how they roll here in Philadelphia, I guess. So, right. Matt in Floral Park, New York. What's the best nonfiction sports book you've ever read? Nonfiction. The best nonfiction sports book? Nonfiction sports book. <laughs> Ashley is looking at her bookshelf. Right now, I, you know what I am going to do? I'm going to give a shout out to our colleague, Terry Pluto. Way back in the day, him and Bob Ryan wrote this NBA book, like documenting a minute by minute NBA game. And I loved that when I was, I don't want to say how old I was and make Terry feel bad. But uh, I, I, that was one that, that I love. But we got to give at least Terry Pluto one shout out here for, oh, for one yeah. of his books. And yeah, he, so, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, he, he's we kid around that, you know, he can knock out a book at halftime of a Browns game. <laughs> he so, probably has. 
My my husband has read a lot of Terry's books and loves them. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Ashley, do you have one in mind? No, I'm struggling with this one again. I'm looking at my books. I have to revisit the sport. I don't think my, I have played my best sport yet. I think it's coming. Oh, yeah. Pickleball. I, think, I was going to say, I think, I think, oh, you, pickleball. I think really pickleball is going to be my jam. I really do. I think I have the yeah. I have my racket. I've, I've got I've got the balls. I got the racket. I just uh, I just got to get started. Well, so. maybe you can take them to the Greenbrier. Oh yeah. I bet there's I bet there's lots of pickleball there. Oh my gosh, I've got to in bring between my your racket your in. stints doing some falconry. Yes. Mary Kay's not at practice today. She's got catch Mary Kay falconry. She's got falconry at ten thirty. Catch Mary Kay followed by pickleball at eleven. I'm so disappointed that falconry involves death. I'm just really, really just like petting Uh some birds. Oh darn it! I thought it was you know you just kind of like. I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was. Maybe you get to like touch its head. Hope it doesn't like. Peck at you. Do falcons peck? They probably yeah. just like tear flesh away. And there might be some golf going on down at the Greenbrier, but I think we've talked about this already. I just don't feel like my golf game. I used to golf um, before I had the three kids and tried to, you know, you can't really cover the Browns and have three children and then go and spend a bunch of time on the golf course. Right. So I, I golfed and I loved it, but I really haven't golfed very much in the last 20 some years because of all of those reasons. Um, so I probably won't golf at the Greenbrier, unfortunately, but maybe I'll play some pickleball. I do have a sports book after looking at my, my bookshelf. Um, I was going to do a non Cleveland one since like, I think everyone in Cleveland reads Terry Pluto's books. So uh, yeah, we've, we've plugged Terry's books already, obviously give any of those a read if you haven't and are looking for something. Um, but I'm going to do wait till next year by Doris Kearns Goodwin, because I think it's just a very different, like kind of sports book. Obviously she's like an amazing historian as well. And like a presidential historian, um, but I really like love her love of baseball and she talks about being a Brooklyn Dodgers fan growing up. And, um, actually when I worked at meet the press, she was like a panelist of ours frequently on the show. So I got her to sign my copy of the book. So, um, I'll go with that one. If you're looking for a non Cleveland sort of read. That's a good one, Ashley. I, I would also add, um, another basketball one that I liked, uh, seven seconds or less. It was about the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni, and that was that was a fun one. Um, we don't really read as much as we should, probably. <laughs> now, I, I read a lot of stuff, but I when don't I do, really read a lot of sports books. Yeah, I think, like, I don't know. Maybe because I'm like, I don't need this when I spend all day doing it. I'm like, <laughs> when I read, I want it, most of the time, I want it to be a relaxing activity at this point in my life. So I read something like, I, I gravitate more towards fiction, honestly, these days than any, anything. But I will read the Joe Thomas book, new Joe Thomas book yes. by Mark Bona and Dan Murphy. Yes, I will. Um, so I'm going to get my copy of that, and I'm excited about it. So I hope you guys all rush out and get it, too. Looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. I forgot about that one. But, yeah, that's that's coming out real soon. Yeah. Um, so that'll, that'll be good. Um, little Joe Thomas, uh, again, two weeks away. Two weeks. Unbelievable. Okay, uh, that was almost all of the questions uh, that we got to. So we appreciate our football insiders. 
uh, hitting us up with those. If you want to become a football insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that and get signed up. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram or on TikTok, just search Orange and Brown Talk uh, and you'll find us there. If you want to follow us on YouTube, go to YouTube and search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. You'll find us there. And just, of course, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I mentioned a, a programming note earlier this week, uh, just so everyone knows. I don't know if we're going to have a Friday podcast or not. Uh, we're shifting into training camp mode. So we're going to be doing podcasts pretty much every day that there is a practice. Um, we might hit some off days too, post-game pods, things like that. And then once the, once we get back into the season, once we get out of training camp, we'll get back into our Monday through Friday. Um, but just for the next you know three, four weeks, we're going to be pretty much going on the Browns practice schedule. So this is the time if you're not subscribed to this and listening somehow, get subscribed. And it's just going to show up on your phone whenever we record them. So there we go. Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to both of you later. Bye.